Welcome to the Top Nonprofits Podcast. We know that you're working hard to stay on top of the latest best practices to help your organization deliver on its mission. And this podcast is here to make that a little easier. Twice a month, your host, Amy DeVita, interviews a nonprofit expert on topics ranging from fundraising to volunteer recruitment and a little of everything in between to give all our friends an opportunity to learn from the best nonprofit leaders and organizations out there. On today's episode of the pod, I'm very excited to be joined by um, our friend Sherry Kwam Taylor. Hi, hey, Sherry. Amy. How are you doing today? Virtual hello. <laughs> I know that that is the, the high five. These days. <laughs> um, so yeah, so it's nice to be here with you via Zoom. Um, a lot of you that going well. on these days, right? You as well. Yeah, I, you know what? It's funny. I, I, uh, my, my business is virtual coaching, and so in some ways, I'm like, oh, it's same old, same old, right? But, yeah. but even, even in my world, it's you know, it's gone up a whole nother notch um, of, of just you know, just having to connect with everybody uh, via yeah. Zoom. So, but I'm so glad for the technology, right? Absolutely. Because, um, you know, this is a podcast, so normally there's no visual, and usually I'm okay with that, but every now and again, it's like, I need to see people. Yes, <laughs> so exactly. Thanks for, letting me, thanks for letting me see you. Thank you, Amy. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, Sherry, you know, we're going to talk today about, um, you know, the fear some, some organizations have to discuss things like overhead, um, mm-hmm. the fear of... Um, you know, how do you, how do you make the ask? So I thought since we're all living in a (laughs) rather terrifying time right now and everyone's a little fearful, um, really kind of taking that theme and drilling down into what it means for those who are listening and how they can get more out of their organization and their relationships. So I love that. I love that. And, you know, and I think, um, even pre COVID-19, um, you know, fear of the ask or like just dreading it um, is, you know, is a thing that I'm used to talking about, um, you know, and it's just a little different right now where now it's like, I don't want to do it and should I be doing it, right? There's that, there's that added fear right now as well. Mm-hmm. But even in general, um, I find there is a, and I, I, I really, Amy, focus a lot on uh, individual mid-major level gifts. And so that top 30 portfolio and um, that thought of sitting down and, you know, across the table from another successful business owner and solicit, soliciting them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that feels really like, oh my gosh, you want me to do what, you know, type of, type of feeling to some people. And, and what I've, one statistic I, um, I quote a lot um, is, is that uh, 77% of nonprofits have never reached that million dollar mark of revenue. And that's from the Urban Institute Center on, on Nonprofit nonprofits and philanthropy. And the reason I quote that is, um, A, uh, I, I, I work with those, those people who are in that 77%. A, they're doing amazing work, right? And so I want them to get more funding so they can have greater impact and all of those things. Um, but B, it's tough to grow, right? And, and part of that is because a lot of um, nonprofit founders are amazing subject matter experts. They are doctors, lawyers, teachers, pastors, social workers who saw a need in the world and said, yeah, I'm going to start a nonprofit. I'm going to fight that. I'm going to do that. And so they're absolute experts at their mission and their programs. And they've just simply never needed to know how to pivot into those gifts before. And so I think a lot of the unknown 
um, or of what, what would that process look like? And that feels salesy, that feels icky. Um, a lot of that really creates this, this fear feeling um, among a lot, of lead, a lot of leaders, which then really forces their funding to plateau or they really never are fully funded because of it. And so I'm really passionate about uh, really demystifying what that process is. There, um, there, there's a, there's, you know, there's a process, there's a plan, um, and really, um, you know, I really have the privilege of teaching uh, people who have not ever known how to do individual gift cultivation, and let alone sit down and ask somebody for twenty-five thousand um, dollars. There is a way to do that, and uh, and to watch them kind of pivot from fear and dread into confidence is like the best part of my job. Uh, and then obviously securing securing larger gifts. So um, it, it's not a new topic, for, you know, for sure. Um, but I, I, I'm a true believer that everybody can be a fundraiser. Uh, you might have different, different comfort levels with it, but um, that's really a, a fun part, that, that kind of migration into, into comfort uh, and not being as, uh, not dreading it and not having it be as frustrating anymore is, is a game yeah. changer. Well, you, obviously you've, you said you've worked with a variety of organizations, different um, um, types of organizations and sizes. Yes. Um, where, you know, in this process, where do you most often see people get stuck? Yeah. So, so there's a couple different profiles. One would be this, this uh, kind of, I guess, pie chart I'm describing. So that 77% and that, um, a lot of times those organizations are uh, groups who are fully funded by charitable giving, right? Um, so whether it's foundations or individuals or corporate giving, um, they're, they're really a, a fully funded model by, by uh, charitable giving. Um, and so, so you know, that, that's kind of what I, the, the scenario I just described. The other uh, groups that, that, that come to me that are also kind of in that stuck mode, I'll guess I'll say, it might be a much larger group. You know, it might be, for example, I have a client who uh, has a $15 million budget and probably, you know, eight or nine is from government revenue, government funding. And then they actually also have a, a program um, revenue generation part that's like four to five million. So of this big nonprofit, less than a million dollars is charitable giving. And they know their government funding's not growing. You know, they're in the state of Illinois, so it's going down, if anything. Um, and, you know, there's only so much you can charge for the program revenue. So they know in order to grow their programs, grow their mission, serve more people on their waiting list, bring technology into their programs, um, and serve at the level they want to serve, it has to grow in charitable funding. And so, again, that person is running an amazing business. I've even learned tons from him. Um, but he's never he's never fundraised before. And so um, I fund, so they, they've, you know, they'll, they'll start a gala. Perfect. We'll start a gala. That's, that's how we'll do it. Right. Not real successful. Right. Cause they didn't have the annual fund donors that, that led to that gala. So um, usually those are the two main profiles I see there. Um, you know, very similar solutions for, for both of those groups of just, I'm a big, uh, you'll hear me say, you know, fundraising is discipline. Development is discipline. Um, really helping people understand those those rhythms and habits they need to be in that actually uh, lead you into the activities that that help you find and help you cultivate and help you secure your top 30 gifts for the year. And so for the smaller organizations, you suggest that they have a funding model um, in order to grow. And I imagine it 
it ties into that discipline. Um, yeah, it really does. Yeah, it really does. Um, I think the, the model I always start with, um, and you'll hear me talk like top 30 a lot because I do feel like um, I see so much money left on the table. And so if we, um, if we think of your top 30 donors, and I always want your top 10 gifts yielding just between about 25 to, to 40% of your revenue. Uh, and then those top 30 donors yielding about 50 to 75%. And so um, that's, that's where I always start. And so what I'm obviously trying to avoid, Amy, would be, um, you know, a client that came to me and has about a $600,000 budget. Uh, one, one gift is from a corporation that's 300,000, right? Half their budget. Um, how wonderful they're getting this gift. How scary, uh, you know, if that gift goes away. And so I, I start with that model because A, I want the funding to be very, very diverse uh, as far as, um, you know, breadth of gift size, as well as where the gifts are coming from. Um, but I also, uh, the, the biggest part of that is, okay, great, Sherry, you want the money coming in from that, from, from that those top 30 donors. Here's the key and here's where people get stuck. Okay, well then your time and what you're putting in your budget and what you're investing in has to also be tied to those top 30 donors. And so, you know, most nonprofits, when we're kind of starting and getting going and trying all the things, and it's okay, you know, starting a nonprofit is hard and we have to be reactive to some point, um, but, but it tends to be activities that are, you know, time and expenses, investing our time and, and our budget and you know, all of ourselves into those activities in the bottom part of that pyramid where, events and 5Ks and, uh, you know, Facebook campaigns and all of those, those sorts of things that take tons of time and don't always have the best ROI. You know, that's kind of where we default until we see the bigger guys doing. So, okay, so we must need to do that too. Um, and so the key is really making sure that you are investing in yourself to learn how to bring in those top 30 donors um, how to serve those top 30 donors. Um, because really, you know, my clients right now who, you know, it, it, in, in, this, in this crazy time we're facing right now, um, who spent last year, who spent 2019 really getting uh, great donor experiences in place, place for their top 30 donors and leading their donors to their best gift, um, they aren't struggling as much right now, right? Because they've got more money in the bank and they built their reserve and, um, you know, they leaned into that, scary word overhead that we can talk about. Um, and so, uh, you know, so, so I, it's, I hear me say that I want the top 30 strategy in place, but the, the, the proof in the pudding is that we're, we're allocating our staff time and resources also to those top 30, which, which feels weird when you've never done it. Yeah, for sure. And, and you, you, you touched on that, right? That scary, that other scary word overhead, yeah. which I'm thinking, with all of us, you know, in homes, you know, and not being able to go to our regular places of work and being able to, even technology, that's an overhead cost, right? Right. I mean, right. so let's talk a little bit about, and let me preface it with to everybody, if you're not currently following Sherry on LinkedIn, oh. 
do it right now because Thank you. <laughs> absolutely. Um, she really posts you, you post some great stuff. Um, really, it really gets people thinking and talking and, um, some really good ideas. And that's, that was the post that I'd seen yesterday, Thank just you. sort of like thinking about past this pandemic. Once we get through it, how is that going to change our conversations about overhead. Right. You know, I, um, thank you for, I, I love LinkedIn. I'm, I'm, I'm on there very often having a lot of conversations. So thanks for that invitation to people to come by me there. Um, here's my position right now. I really feel strongly about once we come out of this, my goodness, let's, let's point this thing toward a better future of funding. Right. And so to me, if, if, if COVID-19 can do anything for us, can it please dispel some of these misconceptions in the industry? And so um, that's that's what you're alluding to that I'm talking about. And so um, I was talking to somebody the other day and um, I said, you know what? I really hope that uh, we can just like get over this, this, this concept that overhead is a bad thing after we're all done with this. Because the organizations who had been investing um, in overhead, you know, and, and have stronger reserves, had stronger cash balances going into this, are doing better, right? And and my goodness, these are people who are, who are serving in on the front line during this time when we need them to be. Um, and so they deserve a better funding model. And so um, I would have given you this advice or whoever's listening, you know, six months ago, and I'll give it to you again in six months when we're past this time, but I'm a true believer in um, investing in, financially investing in your programs, your admin and ops, and your fundraising, all three. If we are not investing in all three areas, um, you will not grow. Your funding will plateau. Um, it'll plateau. It keeps you from, um, it keeps you landlocked when like a great growth opportunity would come your way. Oh, we don't have the money. It's not in the budget. We, we can't take advantage of that opportunity. And it also is very scary in times of crisis. And we're feeling that right now. And so, um, I, you know, I, I showed a model even on a webinar yesterday. I said, hey, here's what was happening when, when uh, this organization was, was really listening to the board saying, all dollars must go to program. It needs to be over 90%. Um, yep, they were staying right here. What happened when we started investing in admin and fundraising? Skyrocket. And within four years, they were putting triple into, into their program. So the solution was invest into admin and fundraising, and then your program grows. And so I want to encourage donors that are listening and board members and, and leaders of nonprofits. Um, we have to be able to sit down with our donors and have investment level conversations and tell them why this is a growth year, why we need to invest a higher percentage in admin and fundraising. Tell them what it's going to do next year, right? That's a great, to me, that says, wow, you are running a great business. I love that you've thought through this. I love that you're investing in this way. Um, and that you're, you're thinking ahead to what your programs and mission could be. And that really helps me see what my donation would do. It helps me see how it will go further and, uh, and really propel the mission forward. And so um, I really do hope that that overhead myth is, is thrown out the window, um, that, that fear of um, like, how big should my reserve be? Um, I mean, my goodness, a lot of people were suggesting even on this post that you were referring to, like 12 months is the minimum now, right? Um, a couple months ago, I would have said, you know, I do have one client, they've got 12 months, feels like a lot, you know, but like, I, I would probably agree with them. And so, um, you know, Amy, I think like from a tactical standpoint of, of what can people be doing, 
Um, I'm a, a big believer in put a real budget in place, right? Um, I always give a little, it's a little bit of a test when I start talking to groups that have contacted me and I'll say, so what do you need this year? And what do you need to raise? And more often than not, I'll hear, well, last year we brought in like, you know, 675. So we'd love to get over 700K, right? But when I dig down into that, it's like, well, is this included? No. Do you have a reserve? No. Uh, you know, are you taking a full salary? No. Okay, hold on. Right. Setting that number to actually what you need. You need. And then because because if if we're not raising to a realistic number of what you need, you're never going to hit it. So typically I find like, oh, hold on a second. You actually need to be raising to 775. And so if we aren't like really confidently owning what we need, there's no way we can put a plan in place to raise that need. And then we're always in that reactive mode. Yeah. And so put that budget yeah put that reserve in the budget um you know and 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 here's the thing a lot of times people are like what are donors going to ask me um explain it put that elephant right out on the table and tell them why you're investing in a reserve um you know i i was talking to a client of mine in texas and um she had a great 2019 she 3x her event and you know uh, just really has started her mid and major level gift um, program after working together. She's lovely. Um, and uh, when I talked to her in early February, when life was a little different, um, she, she said to me as we were hanging out from, we do a monthly coaching call together. Um, she said, Sherry, I feel a little weird because I, I have a lot of money in the bank. I've never had this much money in the bank. Right. Um, and I said, Hey, this is what, when we started, you know, a year ago, um, you wanted to start a third facility in another city. And so like, you did it, right? Look at that. You did it, right? You followed the directions. You were disciplined. Um, you know, she was a great student. And so it was interesting though, you know, by the second week of March, um, she sent me an email. She said, Hey, I'm thinking of sending this out to our constituency. And I read it and it was very much from a scarcity, like, Oh no, we're going down. Please give to us. And I said, hold on a second. Hold on a second. <laughs> when we hang up, hung up last time, you know, you said, you said that you don't, you've never been stronger. I said, so you have the opportunity right now to really come from a point, a place of assurance and saying to donors, thank you so much for coming alongside us last year, because it has us in a great position right now. So here's what we're doing, right? We're able to serve in this way. We're able to keep this program growing. You know, we're able to, to not do layoffs, all these important things. Yep. And I say that example, Amy, because the default flipped back to, well, the board wants me to send an email. Uh, you know, I mean, I see everybody else doing it. Shouldn't we be doing it? I was like, you did everything right. And so that that mindset, you know, that those voices that, that we've heard donors ask or board members ask um, creeps in, right? Mm-hmm. When we should be really strong and um, and have the ability to come from a strong, a strong place. And so I just want to challenge everybody to- sure try to put on that new investment level lens and um, to really push past some of these just misconceptions that we've, that have hung around too long. Yeah, absolutely. I I fully agree. And as you touched on there, um, you know, looking at it myself from a donor's perspective, if you come to me, Sherry, and you say, yeah, things are terrible for everybody right now, but thanks to your gift and us, you know, everything that you've done last year, we are in a great financial situation. We're going to be able to weather this. 
I would say, wow, you are really good at your job. (laughs) Right. And your investment was well spent and well, like it's going to be well used, right? Exactly. Exactly. Um, So, you know, that's really helpful. And I do hope that that myth goes away after, you know. I'm working hard on it. That'd be great. (laughs) When I Um, I guess before we close, um, I want to say thank you. And I certainly hope that you and your daughters and your whole fa- your family are all, all stay well and healthy during thank this time. You. Thank you. Um, and I'm looking forward to working with you. We have the virtual summit for nonprofit change makers. Um, Sherry's one of our speakers awesome. and we're really excited. What remind me, what's the topic? Um, is it, I think we're, I think uh, we're talking about, actually, I have it right here. Yeah. Um, how so to <laughs> confidently make the ask to an individual, even if you hate fundraising. Even so if you hate perfect. fundraising. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> okay. So I'm looking forward to that. And, um, and uh, yeah, so we'll be, but we'll be talking between now and then. Um, and hopefully we will be through this sometime in the near you know, future. We've got to be, right? We've yeah. got to be. Um, but in closing, um, what I'd really like, besides, let, first of all, let's hear how people can get in touch with you besides sure. obviously LinkedIn. Sure. Yeah. I'm hop on my website. Uh, my business name is Quam Taylor. We were talking about it before this. Uh, it's my, my maiden name and my married name. So it's Q-U-A-M as in Mary Taylor. Um, and I've got lots of resources on there. Um, I've got lots of playbooks people can download, um, you know, and, and you'll find all my podcasts and uh just, you know, webinars and and a lot of free resources. Um, I'm also doing a a number of um, free major gifts, major gift audits right now. And so if you just want to just hop on the phone together and and tell me what's keeping you up at night, um, you know, I'm happy to give you some feedback and some, some real tangible things you can start doing even right now during this time. Uh, That's where they can find me. Perfect. Thank you. Um, so what I was hoping you could leave us with is some advice for the the folks who are listening. And, you know, you, you were talking about those top 30 donors. Mm-hmm. And so for those who are out there listening right now and say like, but Sherry, Amy, I don't have, you know, how do I get my top 30 donors? I don't right. even have that. Right. That's, that's usually the question. Like, no, Sherry, I, I want to take your program, but I don't have them. You know, so hold on. That's okay. We're going to find them. We're going to find them. So here's, here's what my advice would be. And I, I never expect people to, to come to me and say, here's my top 30. You know, like, that, that would be crazy. Um, usually what I'm doing is I'm running a strategy right alongside, maybe you have, let's say you have your top 15, right? Or you have 15 who are maybe giving a thousand and over and you're like, but I'm not sure if they're giving their best gift, right? So part of that is we want to make sure every one of your donors is giving their best gift and they're giving the gift to you every year. So we want to do that. Now, usually people need more donors too, right? And so I actually run a very similar strategy, like a connection strategy alongside um, my, my prospecting and donor strategy. And so um, when your board members say, I don't know anybody who can give gifts, they do, um, or, or anybody, or even your, your current donors, um, you know, at, so what I'm saying is we got to use your one-away network, right? And so typically when we're in a finding those larger donors phase, um, I want you doing just as many connection meetings, really having the same conversations, um, making sure that people know what are your plans? Like, what, what are you doing this year and next year? Um, do they really understand your programs? What you, 
do they really get what you do? Um, I've had some funny stories of like donors really not understanding what the organization even does. Uh, and you're never gonna get, get a donor's best gift if that's the case. And then do they really understand what you need? And so I want you having those same investment level conversations with, with your current donors, with connectors, who then at the end of that meeting, you can say, hey, like, thanks so much for supporting me and really listening. And um, who do you know who would, uh, A, be really interested in hearing what, uh, what I shared with you today, and B, might have the ability to invest in, in, in a mission like this. And so it's amazing um, like how much people are not asking for like the referral or the next meeting. Um, and so even my advice would be to uh, people whose boards are also terrified of fundraising. Um, I'll always say, take the money off the table. Like, you know what, hold on a second board member. Don't, don't even worry about, can they, give, can they give a gift? Who is the most connected person you know in your world? Who is that person when your best friend needs a job, you're like, let me call that person. Like they know everybody because that's the person I want the intro to. So sometimes when I take that money part off the table and really work on my connectors, it actually leads you straight to the donors. So be thinking about not only just your who has, uh, you know, who, who is showing up in your wealth screening type of reports, but who's just really connected and really um, knows the community that you're serving in and that, that could get you connections to people who might know, who might have the capacity to give. Well, that's the advice I'm going to leave everybody with. Awesome. That is excellent. Thank you, Sherry. Much appreciated. Thank um, you, Amy. Stay well. And um, we'll talk soon. I hope so. Thanks. That's it for today, friends. See you soon. In the meantime, check out all the great resources we offer at topnonprofits.com. 